Hello. Hello. Who are you? I'm Heather. Who are you? I'm Fergus. I'm your husband. Oh. <laughs> Together we are Batman and friends. New old friends. It, it makes more sense of new old friends. And this is Crimes oh. Center. Cool. Yeah, boy. Welcome back. Thank you. Episode five. Episode five. TGIF. Right, guys. TGIF. What's that? Thank God it's Friday. Yeah, TGI. Thank God it's Friday. Anyway, we're not sponsored, uh, but do hit us up if you would like <laughs> to take out some real smooth sponsorship. Anyway, that you Coke float. Yes, if you're Coke float and want to sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, right. Enjoy this episode because it won't be one over the weekend. You've got two days without any content two for days your break. ears. Yeah. Two days break, but we'll be back on Monday. Uh, but do you know? Spend the weekend. Figuring out, simmering, simmering away, bubbling away, percolating all these details, and let us know over the weekend who, who you think done, done it. it, and there will be a prize if you get it right. I mean, the prize will be the smug satisfaction. Uh, but there we go. Yeah, enjoy the episode. Absolutely, have a wonderful time and have a lovely time. Enjoy the next episode. Bye. Away we go. Uh, oh yeah, not bye. Enjoy the episode. Bye. What's going on at Wombledon? Something with Ingrid and John. Penny heard that noise, like girls and boys, when they're getting it on. Two lovers cut short on that practice court. Does Jean know her husband is a dirty rat? But today's the day Perry will play, he's taking on Jean Strong. His maths and physics push to the limits out on court number one. While Penny still snoops, stealing secretive looks, trying to find out clues, might the two lovers both be discovered? Oh, who has most to lose? If you know this show's history, it's a murder mystery, and not the ones ending up dead. Well, we're being treated to a real exhibition here in this first round match of the Wombledon International Invitational. There were concerns as to whether the tournament would even be held given the recent deaths of the club chairman Lord Nose and head umpire Owen Owens. But the decision was made by the late Lord's son Lord Hugh in consultation with the players for the match to go ahead. And what a match we have here. The Austrian, Helmut Hackenberg, is absolutely clattering his poor opponent around the court. This one won't take long. After Lord Hugh had accepted Digby and the players' case for the tournament to continue as planned, the rest of yesterday had proceeded without incident. I'd asked some soft questions about who'd heard the rumour of Digby being included in Lord Nose's will, but from what I'd learned, it didn't appear to be much more than a rumour. Helmut's reply... I wouldn't be surprised if it was true, though. ...seemed to be almost everyone's opinion. As I made my rounds asking innocuous questions, I had a partner... Not Perry, who was fully focused on getting more power in his serve, but young Wayne Weaver. I think our little chat in the aftermath of Owen's death had endeared me to him. Well, that and the fact that he knew he could tap me up for sweets money. Can I get you anything, Miss Pink? A coffee from the clubhouse? Maybe something from the corner shop? They do lovely bonbons there. No, I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Oh. Oh, okay. Maybe I do want a small bag of bonbons. Would you go and buy me some? And why don't you look after them for me too? Thank you, Miss Pink! I ended up spending most of the day with the boy, eating sweets, asking him his favourite players. He thinks Ingrid will win the women's tournament, and hopes Digby will win it in the men's, but thinks Helmet is too strong, and being shown his secret hiding spots around the club. 
His mother, Wendy, was so grateful to have him out of her hair that she insisted I came over to theirs for lunch after the opening ceremony this morning, which is how I came to be sat at their small kitchen table in their small kitchen, drinking a small cup of tea and eating an enormous cheese and pickle roll. It's a sandwich, okay, Miss Pink? I baked the rolls myself. I think maybe I left them in to prove for too long. Judging from the size of them, she must have left them to prove for three days, like Jesus in the cave at Easter, because they certainly had risen. Um, mmm, no, delicious, thank you. And please, call me Penny. Oh, I should be thanking you, Penny, looking after Owen all day yesterday. I hope he wasn't a nuisance to you. Not at all, Mrs Weaver. Wendy. Wendy, he was a great help. Oh, good. Good. Do you want cream in your tea, Miss Pink? Of course she doesn't want cream. Leave her alone, Wayne. Go and play outside. She shooed her son to the door, then placed her huge roll down onto her floral spode Copeland plate and took a sip from her matching teacup and looked at me. What exactly was Wayne helping you with, Penny? If you don't mind me asking. I know you report to Lord Hugh, and it's something to do with marketing, whatever that is, but Wayne says you seem more interested in how Fred Digby and Lord Knows got on than the actual tennis. I was tempted to come clean about the whole thing. After all, I'd been here nearly three full days and hadn't learned anything that proved there was any foul play in Owen or Lord Knows' deaths. But at the same time, I thought my detective's brain could sense something was just a bit off. I'd have a better chance of finding out what that was if I remained incognito. Oh, that! Well, I just thought it might make a good human interest story. You know, if the late chairman's favourite player finally won the tournament in the year dedicated to his memory. I see... Um, that makes sense. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if when the will is finally opened, Master Hugh, sorry, Lord Hugh, gets quite a shock indeed. Really? You think Lord Knows changed his will to cut out his son? I know he was thinking about it. Owen told me. Owen? Yeah, the two of them was close. People go on about gossiping like old women. You want to hear two old men going at it over cigars and brandy. Did Owen know whether Lord Knows had already made the change? Not that I know of. Owen didn't think it was right, though. Thought it should stay in the family for what that's worth. I see. And there we go. Helmut Heckenberg has won in straight sets. The next match we have coming up for you is the favourite in the women's draw, Ingrid Ergelson, against the ageing queen of servant volley, Annette Player. After that, we have this year's chairman's wildcard entry, Perry Pink, taking on the American John Sampson. Sampson, of course, is better known as a double specialist, but still fancied to progress against this unknown plucky breed. Perry's match is coming up. I need to leave. I'm so sorry, Wendy. No, no. I understand. You want to see your boyfriend in action? Oh, Perry's not my boyfriend. We're just friends. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. Just friends. Well, I'm sure Lord Hugh will be happy to hear that. Sorry? Oh, nothing, dear. You hurry along and get back to watch your friend. I doubt you'll get another chance looking at his odds. I should maybe be getting back too. Don't like being away from the club this long during a tournament. Thank you again for lunch. You can take your role with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Good job Mrs Weaver had her own car. The role would need the passenger seat. I mused on her assumption about Perry and I being romantically involved as I drove back to the club. She wasn't the first to suggest it. I guess it's because we work together and share a last name. It sets off something in people's minds. What was that comment about Lord Hugh too? Surely he didn't think of me in that way, did he? Lady Penny. It was certainly something to think about. Love, 50 love. 30 love, 40 love, game, love, 15 love, 30 love, 40 love, game, love, 15 love, 30 love, 40 love, game. The game is afoot, now's the time, the time is now, Perry will step out and take his bow.
Can he play? Can he use his spin? Is there a world in which Perry wins? Love, 50 love, 30 love, 40 love, game. Love, 50 love, 30 love, 40 love, game. Love, 15 love, 30 love, 40 love, game. The game is afoot. Go on, Perry, be like a fairy. Floating and gloating and being scary. Fairies aren't scary. Just win. Love, 15 love, 30 love, 40 love, game. Go on, Perry. just in time for the start of Perry's match and found myself a seat toward the back right of the court. I was clapping and cheering, ready for Perry's entrance, but there was no sign of him. Perry! Pink! Still nothing. Is Mr Pink there? Calling Mr Perry Pink to court one. Perry Pink to court one. Finally, Perry bounded out of the changing rooms, waving apologetically and started jumping around the baseline like he had ants in his pants. In fact, he was so fidgety, I think the ants in his pants must have had ants in their pants, possibly even an infinite loop of pant-based ant infestation. He waved giddily at the crowd, and even harder when he managed to make eye contact with me. He proudly displayed his now legal longer shorts to me by drawing his hands apart over them. But John Sampson on the other side misconstrued the gesture as one of mocking aggression and complained to the umpire bitterly. Wendy had had to bring over a new head umpire from the Australian Open, and he was now perched on top of the high chair, ready to start play. He waved off the Americans' protests and called for quiet in the crowd. Quiet, please, you drongos! The match began as most had predicted, with John easily picking off Perry's first two service games and holding his own to jump out to a four-love lead. But then Perry managed to win a game on serve with two aces and a couple of solid points at the net. I was over the moon for him. No matter what happened now, he could say he wasn't whitewashed. John still won the first set by breaking Perry in his next service, but a perfectly respectable outing, all things considered. First set to Mr Simpson. Six games to one. During the pause between sets, Perry buried himself in his notebook, making furious scribbles and chewing on the end of his pencil in a way I knew meant his brain was working overtime. Time, gentlemen. Second set. Mr. Sampson to serve. The second set stayed on serve. One love, one all. Two one, two all. Three two, three all. Four three, four all. Finally, in the tenth game, Perry faltered. He missed all his serves, and Sampson was able to whip the returns neatly into the corners and away from Perry's outstretched racket. Second set to Mr. Sampson, six games to four. Mr. Sampson leads by two sets to love. I was bursting with pride for Perry. Yes, he was obviously going to lose, but he had acquitted himself far better than anyone had any right to expect. I desperately wanted to catch his eye, but he was again manically writing notes. He was obviously doing sums because at one point he actually whipped out a physics textbook to consult. 
When he did briefly look at the crowd, it wasn't in my direction. He must have forgotten where I was sat, because he kept glancing at the players' box where the players' families sit. Time, gentlemen. Third set. Mr Sampson to serve. What happened next is one of the most remarkable things I, or indeed anyone in the history of Wimbledon, had ever witnessed. Perry not only held his own service games, but actually broke Sampson's first service game. He was perfectly positioned for every serve and passing shot, and deftly flicked the ball around the court beyond his opponent's reach. Two love, Mr Sampson to serve. Three love. Four love. On and on it went. Five love. Six love. Third set to Mr Pink. Mr Sampson leads by two sets to one. He'd won a set. He'd actually won a set of tennis at Wimbledon against a real-life tennis player. And he'd done it to love. I loved it. But still he wasn't satisfied. Back to his chair and his sums he jogged. Fourth set, Mr Sampson to serve. By this point there was a palpable sense of upset in the air and the crowd was buzzing. Umpire, you got to make the crowd stop interfering. It's not fair. Quiet please, ladies and gentlemen. Play will resume. Fourth set, Mr Sampson to serve. Sampson was clearly furious. No doubt embarrassed he'd lost a set to love and against such a rank outsider. He channelled his anger into his serves, banging down four straight aces to take the first game. Game, Mr Sampson. One love. He broke Perry to love in the next game and the crowd started to settle again. The spell seemed to have been broken. But then in the third game, Perry rediscovered his magic and was in the right place to return Samson's first and creamed it down the line. Love 15. Again, he read the serve perfectly, this time swinging a backhand across the court before finishing it with an easy volley. Love 30. And luck was on Perry's side too. He'd guessed correctly on the next serve, but miscalculated his swing, and the ball fired off the edge of his racket and went soaring high into the bright blue sky. But when it came down, it landed just inside the baseline before bouncing up and over the back wall. That was out! He was in, mate. No way! The American totally lost the plot and was waggling his racket threateningly at the umpire. Yes way. In. Out. In. Out. Shake it all about as much as you want. It was in. I'll give you in. With that, Samson threw his racket with all the force he could muster at the umpire and only just missed his head. It flew right past his ear and into the crowd. Quite a souvenir for someone. Mr Samson's disqualified. Mr Pink wins by default. Perry was through to the next round. The crowd went wild. I caught up with Perry in the changing room after the match. Samson had stormed off immediately with much slamming of his locker and general cursing. Perry was sat on the bench in front of his own locker, looking a bit dazed, clutching his racket in one hand and his notebook in the other. That was remarkable, Perry! Oh, Penny girl. Hi, yes. Yes, yes, it, it was a bit, wasn't it? Are you OK? I thought you'd be over the moon. I am. I am. Are you? Well, yes, of course. It's just... Uh... Just what? I can't help but think maybe I cheated a little. Cheated? How? Well, you know I was a little late out onto court. What happened was... Perry, wait! Oh, Jean, hi. I, I can't really talk. They're, they're calling me onto court. Sure, I know. But you need to know something before you go out there. What? John is cheating on me. With Ingrid. Oh, gosh. Right. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry, Jean. That, that's awful. Are you sure? Positive. I'm furious with him and her. I thought we were friends. But I'll show them. I don't think you should do anything rash. 
It might be too late for that. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm really sorry, Jean. I have to go. I know. Look, I think you're a sweet guy and you've been nice to me. Take this and put this in your notebook. It'll help you. Now go. Good luck. What did she give you? It was John's whole plan of attack for the match, plus detailed notes on which ball toss means which way he's going to serve. A cheat sheet, basically. And I used it, Penny. I wanted to win. I wanted to win desperately, and I cheated. Oh, Perry, you can't beat yourself up about this. You won because John is a hothead who got himself disqualified. But he was only so angry because I won that set. Who can say you wouldn't have won the set anyway? You did win a game in the first set on your own, and didn't you tell me it was all about gathering more data and applying physics? Well, yes. Well, there you go. I'm sure you would have figured it out on your own. Jean just gave you a head start. Because she likes you. Because you're a sweet guy. Oh, Penny, I... I did... Before Perry and I could get into another childish squabble, not a damn clue burst into the changing room. You must come. Quickly. It's Ingrid. Uh, apologies for saying bye at the start of the episode there, guys. Don't know what came over me. I just apparently couldn't stop saying bye. <laughs> anyway, oh, good episode though, wasn't it? Episode five. Oh, um, oh lovely. Something's going on at the end yeah, there. Yeah, that is, that is what they call in the trade a cliffhanger. Tricky, tricky situation yeah. for Penny there. Yeah, Penny, Notta and Perry just hanging on by their fingertips all the way over the weekend. Two days you're going to be mulling that over. Ingrid, what's going on with Ingrid? A huge thank you to everyone for listening, for your comments, uh, for sharing it. If you do, do let people know, we've made the Arts Council some quite big promises about how many people are going to listen to this series. Uh, So please do spread the word and we'll see you all on Monday. Thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. Bye. Bye. Crimes on Centre Court is part of Comedy Whodunits for Your Ears, a New Old Friends production. This series is made possible by the support of Arts Council England. It was written by Fergus Woods-Donald with sound and music from Fred Riding and featured the voices of Fergus Woods-Donald, Fred Riding and Heather Westwell. If you would like to learn more about the company, including dates for live theatre shows, visit newoldfriends.co.uk. 